0: Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for each of our our people that are here today, those that are joining us online. We bless you. We honor you today. We give you glory and honor. Father, we thank you that every bondage, every addiction, every stronghold is broken off of our lives because of the finished work, what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. When Jesus was on the cross, one of the seven sayings that he said was, It is finished. His work is finished. We've been set free. So, Father, we choose today as an act of our will to walk in that freedom that you have provided for us. We bless you. We honor you. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us eyes and ears and hearts to receive your word today. In Jesus' name, if you agreed with that, would you say amen? amen? Amen. All right. So we're in this series on prayer. A series on prayer. It's called The Priority of Prayer. Last week was part one, it was called The Contrast. This week we're calling this one More Than Able. And, uh, prayer is just, it's so important. Oh, prayer again, please, please, please don't say that. Uh, because prayer is, it's so, so important. And as I said last week, this is one of the prayer is one of the top four things that we teach that every person, when you get born again and you're becoming, you're becoming when you get born again, it's not, Oh, it's all over. You know, it's kind of like people that when they graduate from high school, you know, we celebrate that. But you're just starting out. They thought they finished something, and they did high school. But man, now you're really getting going in life. And then they graduate from college, and they celebrated, and we celebrated stuff. But they're going into life. It's so much more. There's so much more to after you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's the Lord of your life, and He wants you to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And so there's some things that we need to do. We need to learn to read the Bible and study the Bible, learn to read. When I say learn to read, I'm talking about read it and study it, uh, study the Word of God. Secondly is what we're talking about in this series is prayer. We need to pray. And there's so many people, I pray, I pray. Well, there's people that that aren't even saved that pray. Because, you know, if you get in deep enough trouble, you're eventually, most people are going to turn to God. Whether they're saved or not, they're going to pray to Him. And so but we need to learn how to pray. And prayer is so much more than a, taking our shopping list before the Lord. It's, it's a dialogue. It's We communicate with God. And you talk to God just like you would talk to your best friend. You have conversations in your car on your way to work. Just talk to him and ask him different things. Talk to him and listen to his voice. My sheep know my voice. We know the voice of, of God. And then third third one, again, is the importance of going to a good Bible-believing church, but not just going, but getting you're a part of it. You're a part of the body of Christ. The the, the, the universal church is all churches. The local church, we call the universal church the big C, capital C, but then it's full of local churches, which is the small C, and it's the local bodies of believers. We're all bodies. We're all to give a supply at that church, not just financially, but again, in our time and in our service, and that's so important. And then the fourth thing that's important that a disciple of Christ should do is you got to share your story. You've got to share because Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old is gone, the new has come. And then it says, this is a gift from God. And verse 18 says that you have been reconciled to God. I like to say it this way, you've been connected to God. Because that's what we're all about here is connecting people to God. So we like to we, we've been connected with God. And it, then it says in verse 19 that we've been given the ministry of connecting other people. The many translations say we've been given the, the ministry of reconciliation. So it's so important, again, that we begin walking out those, those four things. So last week, we looked at a story in, this, in our starting off, in our part of our message of, of something that Jesus told his disciples. And he's talking about, it was regarding God's love, his love for us and his willingness and his willingness or his eagerness. Not just God's just not willing, God is eager, To talk with us, God is eager to give us things. He's eager. So Jesus did this by telling a parable. A parable is a heavenly story with an earthly meaning. And he he contrasted this unjust judge. In fact, it's called the parable of the unjust judge. And the other character in it is a widow. Well, people have falsely. taught that sometimes that it's it god is like the judge and we are like the the widow and that's the furthest thing from the truth god is not unjust in any respects so again jesus clearly was telling us what what he's doing that this judge in the story said that he had no fear of god he had no fear of god and he had no compassion for people he had no respect for people at all and listen this here's what jesus said jesus says because of his great love Jesus told him always pray and never give up that was the that was the a big part of the the parable that Jesus told there of the unjust judge always pray and I always pray and never give up. And I want to make sure that you caught this last week. I'm going to read this again. This won't be in your notes, but it's in notes from last week. And by the way, all of these scriptures, Paula mentioned this, all of these scriptures are on the app. I really encourage you to get the app. It's a free app. It's full of information. All of the messages you can watch on there, they're all on there. Go back and watch. If you missed last week, listen to this week. Uh, But all the notes are on there. And you can save the notes and you can add to the notes, things that I I, I would say by, by the the unction of the spirit of God, you can type that in there. I don't have every scripture up there, but the vast majority of them are there. So you can get that and you can go back last, last week if you save those because they'll be gone this week. But if you save them, you, you'll have them forever. But here's what, here's what it said after, after the, the parable that he told. He said, then the Lord said, learn the lesson that this uh, unjust judge, learn the lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. Remember, she kept going to him and nagging him and nagging him and nagging him and he gave her what she needed. She gave her relief from her her adversary. So don't you think that God, he has two questions here. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him night and day? Will he keep putting them off? Two questions there and he gives the answer here. I tell you, he'll grant justice to them quickly. But when the son of man returns, how many will he find on the earth that has faith? Why? Because Always pray and have faith. Always pray and never, never give up. All right, so let's move on to this week. And I've got two questions. I got really a question and a follow-up question. So All right, here's the first question that I want to ask you. If you could ask God, and this is you, if you could ask God for one miracle, if you could ask God for one miracle in your life, knowing with 100% certainty that he would grant your request, what would you ask for? If you knew you could ask him anything and you knew 100% you are going to get that thing, what would you ask for? I'm, I want you to seriously, I want you to think about something. Maybe it's something about husband's wife you would you'd come together on and you would join you join your faith on, but you know that you would get it. In other words, it may be, for some of you, it may be that put your marriage back together maybe you there's a there's a couple or somebody that you know that has a great marriage and you say i wish that we had that kind of marriage and you'd like to have almost like a reset start over in your marriage maybe it has something to do with your job maybe it has something to do with a loved one an adult child that that has strayed away from god that wants to come back you want them to come back to god or maybe it's somebody that you love that that doesn't have a relationship and you're believing god for them to be saved something like that. Maybe it has to do with your finances. But what one thing would you ask God if you could ask with 100% certainty? What would it be? Have you got it? You got it in your thinking? Got it in your mind? All right, here's my follow-up question. Whatever you ask for, whatever you ask for, do you regularly? That means persistently every day. Do you thank God using the prayer of praise? using the prayer of praise. You know, there's several different types of prayer. There's the prayer of unity. There's the prayer of faith. There's the prayer of of consecration. Jesus prayed the prayer of consecration when he was in the garden, when he prayed, God, if there's Father, if there's any other way to do this, if there's any other way other than going to the cross, let's do that. But if not, thy will be done. That's the prayer of consecration. And then there's the prayer of praise, the prayer of, some people call it the prayer of thanksgiving. So again, my question is this, do you regularly and persistently every day thank God with a prayer of praise, a prayer of thanksgiving, that it's happening right now? That it's happening right now. In other words, you're believing that, uh, that God is persistently and presently intervening in that situation that you're praying for. Amen? So that's a question. That's two questions. It's a question and a follow-up question. Are you praying for that? Are you believing God? And are you thanking Him? You know, Smith Wigglesworth said something one time I thought was interesting. It really caught my attention. He said, if you pray and ask God for something seven times, six times you prayed in unbelief. And why would he say that? Because if we believe that we receive... Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, whatsoever things you desire, whatsoever things you pray for, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. So you, if you have it, you shall have it. That doesn't say, and you had it, you shall have it. It might be a day, it might be a minute, it might be a week, it might be five years. But do you believe that you receive it? That if we do, then we're asking for it again and again. I believe from that point on, we enter into the prayer of praise and we thank him for that thing that we're believing him for. Amen. So anyway, so just take that home. So I think that most of us, I think if we were honest, I think that we would we would have to admit that there've been times when we grow weary, we grow faint uh, in our faith. Is that right? My hands are up on that. Sometimes sometimes I do. Sometimes my faith kind of wanes. And I really, I really 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 we need that exhortation that Jesus gave the disciples. Always pray and never give up. Always pray. And never give up. Let me ask you this. Would it make, would it make any difference if Jesus came, came in the flesh and he came or walked up to you? And I'm coming to you, Chris. How you doing? Chris is our online specialist right now. He's chatting with people <laughs> online that are on our app. And I appreciate that. That's a ministry. I appreciate you doing that. But if Jesus came up to you and said, Chris, always pray and never give up. Always pray. And never give up. Would that make any difference to you? It probably would to me. <laughs> How about you? If Jesus, if Jesus personally came up and grabbed your hand and say, always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. The Word says it. Do we have to, do we have, to have Jesus come up and say that to us for we'll really take heart to it? It kind of reminds me of the story in, in uh, John chapter twenty, when um, John chapter twenty when Jesus had been crucified, he rose from the dead and he appeared to the disciples in a room where they were had gathered, and it said that Thomas called Didymus uh, he was not with them, for some reason he wasn't with them. We know that uh, um, who uh, what was the other disciple that wasn't with them? Judas, Judas wasn't with them either because he had. He'd hung himself. But Thomas wasn't with them. But Jesus, in that occasion, he'd said some things. And then it says, and he, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't the second work of the Spirit. This is actually the first work of the Spirit. The second work of the Spirit is on the day of Pentecost. But when Jesus breathed on them, that is the moment that they were born again. Up to that point, the, the the Holy Spirit was with them. Now the Holy Spirit is on the inside of them. Amen. Well, there's a difference. And he breathed on them. And so, and then Jesus, after that, Jesus left. And then, uh, I don't know if it was hours later or a day later, Thomas came in into their meeting. And they told Thomas, Thomas, oh, you missed it. Oh, it was, it was so amazing. Jesus came and, and, he, and Thomas hasn't seen him yet since he resurrected. And he said, oh, he, and he breathed on us and we received the Holy Spirit. And he said, I don't believe that. Not, not unless I touch those nail prints with my hand or put my hand into his side, I'm, I'm not going to believe. I, I don't believe that. No, Thomas, it really happened. Nah, you guys are full of it. And so then, a week later, Jesus comes back in the same room, the same gathering. This time, Thomas is with him. And notice, listen what Jesus said to him. Jesus said... Um, he said to Thomas, he said, Jesus must have known what what Thomas had said previously, but I won't believe. He said to Thomas, without any conversation before that, he said, Thomas, put your finger here into my hands and put your hand into my side and stop doubting and believing. Stop, in other words, stop doubting and start believing. And then uh, Jesus told him, he says, blessed are you, listen to this, blessed are you because you've seen me and you believe and blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe so blessed is chris blessed is chris because jesus came to him directly and said always pray and never give up i mean very dramatically but to me he said it in his word blessed is me who have not seen jesus did not have him do that experience, but yet I still believe. You see what I'm saying? We've got to take the word of God and don't have to wait for a, a vision from Jesus. i got to have Jesus come to tell me. His, he told us his word. Amen? All right, listen. Sometimes we get hit by this bug. It's called the disappointment bug. And if uh, you've, you've gone here at any length of time, you may have heard me say that disappointment equals the frustration of expectancy. And uh, I'm telling you, I, I think that... Uh, the, the the disappointment bug or disappointment virus has wounded or has damaged more people than COVID ever thought it could. I think mean, well they said seven million people, perhaps I think died. From COVID, but this, this disappointment has affected more people and cost more people. Sometimes the, their life, sometimes the blessing that God has for them, because they just prayed and God didn't answer in the time that He thought that they should, and so they they get disappointed, and then and then they ask again, they ask something else, and, and that doesn't happen when they think, and so then they kind of get to the point where their dis- disappointment has caused them to be frustrated, and then they don't they don't pray anymore. They just don't they don't ask God anymore because of that just that disappointment and it's really gotten a lot of people. I think there's sometimes when we have a pressing need and we fail to ask God for things because we honestly we honestly don't question so much his ability as we question his willingness. We believe God's able. God really wanted to. He could do this and he could do it quick if he really wanted to. And I'm just not convinced that he will. And you know, and honestly, I would rather someone question my I'd rather them question my ability rather than to question my willingness to help them. Because when they question my willingness, they're questioning my character. If they said, you know, you know, you know Rich, I know if, if he had the resources or if he had the skills, if he had this, he, he would do something with me. They know that I would be willing. But if they know that I've got the skills, if they know that I've got what it takes to, to help them, but they're not sure if I'm willing, then that's a question of my character, isn't it? So when we question God's willingness, we are questioning his character because again, his, 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 his ability, he, we know he's able. It reminds me of a story in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter eight. And this reminds me of, of, a, of a man with leprosy and he was probably like the little woman with the issue of blood and uh, the centurion servant, both the woman and the centurion both said the same thing. And when they heard about Jesus, it says that she came in the press behind the centurion sent some some of his jewish friends to jesus and asked him to come heal his servant because they knew that he, he could do it because they had heard about all of the miracles that he did and i imagine that this leper heard about jesus and so he came to him but listen to what it says in john chapter I'm not john in matthew chapter 8 matthew chapter 8 verse 1 this is translation is called uh, the god's word translation gw that stands for god's word translation and I like it, it's pretty good. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountain, a large crowds followed him. And a man with a serious skin disease came, that's leprosy, came down and bowed down in front of him. And the man said to Jesus, and listen what he said. He said, sir, if you're willing, in other words, I, I have no doubt that you're able. That's why I came to you, because I know that you're able. I've heard about all these people that you feel, thousands of people you feel. But listen, sir, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched him, and he set the record straight. He said, I'm willing. I'm willing, so be clean. Immediately, his skin disease went away, and he was clean. Listen, God's ability, there's, there's just nothing too hard for God. And again, we shouldn't hardly, any Christian that knows anything about God should know that God is is there's nothing that he can't do. I mean, just the the galaxies, not the galaxy, but the galaxies that he created, the world. Our bodies are amazing when you understand what the eye does and how God created our bodies to function. Nothing is is impossible. Nothing is too hard for God. I don't think that our peanut brains can think of something that's too hard for God. I love it when people, can God make a rock that he can't lift? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, you said God couldn't do anything. I didn't say he couldn't do anything stupid. (laughs) Hallelujah. Think about God's power. God, Think about God's power that he displayed just over nature, just over nature alone. In Exodus chapter 14 and Joshua chapter 3, and both of those things, there were certain bodies of water that God just split open so the children of Israel could walk right through. That's pretty amazing, right there. He didn't just create the water; he separated it for just a short period of time so that they could go through. In Exodus chapter sixteen and John chapter six, there was two times when people there. Those times where people were hungry, and God supernaturally fed them. In Exodus, He's rained down food from heaven. He rained down manna, these wafers from heaven, and He fed them. In John, uh, Joshua, I'm sorry, in John chapter six, He multiplied. Few little fish and a few couple of loaves of bread and fed 20,000 people. God can do anything. His ability is amazing. In Mark chapter 4, there was a storm that threatened the disciples' lives. They woke him up. He woke up and spoke to the wind, spoke to the waves, and they calmed down immediately. Nothing is impossible to him. I love this one. I, I got to read this one to you. Joshua chapter, chapter 10, when the sun, you, do, you ever heard this? When the sun and the moon stood still? Let me read this to you in case case you've you've never heard this. It's real short, just two verses. Joshua chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. This is the New Living Translation. It says, On the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel, and he said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Agilon. Verse 13, So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in its place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and did not set as a normal day until Israel whooped their enemies. Isn't that awesome? God can do anything. Can God answer our simple prayer request from us? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many, so many stories like that in the, in the Bible of God's amazing ability. I love the stories in, uh, in the exodus of, of the Israelites when they were in the, in the wilderness for 40 years by their own rebellion, but they were going. Now, you think about that. There was families with young children that was involved in this, and probably about 3 million people. And as they were going, man, sun, deserts are hot. Man, they're hot. And he gave them a cloud over the day. He put a cloud over them that as they walked, that cloud umbrellaed them and kept them from having their skins fried. And at night, deserts can get cold. He made a pillar of fire. He put a pillar of fire there to give them heat, to keep them from freezing. God can do anything. What an amazing God. How can we think that, that he doesn't, He's not able to do the things that we ask Him for? Something else that He displayed is over circumstances. Uh, Herod, in, in, um, in Acts chapter 12, Herod uh, was arresting and persecuting Christians. And he took also arrested James, The brother of John, if you remember, James and John were two of the first disciples that he called. They were fishing in their boat with their father Zebedee. And he called them to come and to follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, that James, there's another James that was a disciple. And that was the half brother of Jesus. But James, this James, John's brother was arrested and they uh, said he was killed by the sword. Some theologians say that they killed by the sword, but he had his head cut off. He arrested Peter. Herod had Peter arrested, and he was going to do the same thing to him because it pleased the people. And it got, hey, way to go. They love that. The religious uh, Jews that were Judaizers, uh, they just tickled them pink. Why pink? Something for us to look at. Let's Google that when we go to lunch today. Tickled us pink. Okay. But anyway, so 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 he uh, he rests he rests Peter and he's gonna do he's gonna do the same thing to Peter he's gonna cut his head off. But just happened to be the time of the, the Passover meal and they had just gone into the uh, unleavened bread the festival of the unleavened bread, and so after that which was only about two days away they were going to he was gonna. Uh, pull Peter out and cut his head off in front of everybody. And uh, here's what it says. And uh, he's, he's got 16 guards around him. Some, some stories say that uh, some of the guards, two of them on each side, were, were chained to him. And the others were there to guard him because he had escaped in Acts chapter 5. He walked right out of prison. And they had no idea how he got out. So Herod was going to make sure that Peter did not escape. So that's where he had have these 16 guards around him. In verse 5, it says this. In verse 12, it says, So Peter... Uh, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church was praying very hard. Do you know how to pray very hard? Have you ever prayed very hard? When you pray very hard, your forehead will wrinkle. Your eyebrows kind of pull together. That's praying hard. No, it just, fervently, it just means they were fervently praying. They were fervently praying uh, to God for him. Now, I, don't, I wonder what they were asking. I guess maybe because he he'd escaped once. Maybe, maybe it was that, but it doesn't really say. And verse 7 says this, Suddenly an angel from the Lord stood near Peter, and called, and, uh, and his cell was filled with light. And the angel nudged Peter on the side and woke him up. Now, isn't that interesting? I mean, here this guy's going be, gonna to be killed tomorrow, going to have his head cut off tomorrow. A bright light comes into his cell, and he's still sleeping. And the angel has to kick him and nudge him and say, hey, wake up. I think that this was, a, if there was wife angels, this would be a wife angel or just a woman angel. It says to him, listen to, listen to what the angel says. It says, get up. And at that moment, the chains fell from Peter's hands. And the angel told him, put your shoes on and get your, get your coat and get ready to go. <laughs> Does that sound anything like Angela, Ronnie? <laughs> Thank you. Get up, put your clothes on, put your shoes on, get ready to go. And Peter did this. Then the angel told him, put your coat on and follow me. And Peter followed the angel out of the cell. Didn't realize, uh, didn't realize what the angel was doing was actually happening. He thought it was he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and the second guard post and came to the iron gate that led into the city. The gate opened by itself for them, and they went outside and uh, went outside and up into the street. And the angel suddenly, uh, said, suddenly left Peter. And it's interesting here that Peter immediately he goes from there. He goes to to Mary's house. Uh, the mother of John Mark. John Mark was there and there were several others. And this is the group that we just said they were praying for Peter. They were praying fervently for Peter. And uh, again, it says, let me ask you this. It was funny because when Peter knocks on the door, it says that a servant girl named Rhoda came to the door and she said, who is it? Because they were, they were, they were terrified. They were, they were, like I said, James had just been killed. They're arresting other things. They didn't know who it was. And he said, it's Peter. And she gets so tickled, uh, she didn't open it or let him in. She goes and tells those people that were praying hard for him. They said, it's, they said who's at the door? They said, it's Peter. They said, you must be crazy. We're praying for him. He's in prison. That's kind of, I don't know if that's praying with faith or not. But anyway, God, God answered their faithless prayer, and Peter obviously got out of prison. Let me ask you this. Have you ever prayed, you ever prayed for something, and you were surprised when God answered it? Anybody, you ever, you ever prayed and... Wow, he actually did it. And evidently it, was, it wasn't because of your faith. I think there's times, I think there's times when, when God answers prayer that we forgot about. And I think that's one reason I think it's good to keep a prayer journal of things that you pray about, because when when God answers those things, that you look over those things in your prayer time, daily prayer time, you see those things, and you recognize that God did it, and you can give the prayer of thanks the prayer of Thanksgiving that God so readily deserves when we do that. But there's times again that Paula and I, I remember the, when we were, I think I shared it last week, uh, talked about that one of the church that we went to was a youth pastor, and then I ended up becoming the, the interim pastor during, during that time. Um, but I was hired there as a youth pastor, and they, they, they didn't hire Paula. They, they made it very clear when they interviewed that, that this was the weirdest interview thing that I've ever went through. They said that uh, we're hiring you. We're not hiring your wife, and she was she was there. And, and were you there in the meeting, or just just me? I think you were. And then they said, "Honey, we're not we're not hiring you, so you're free to do anything you want to do. If you don't even want to come to church, you don't have to." But they so they were just making it clear that it was it was a, they were hiring just me. So we you know we got paid, and uh, I got paid. And uh, we were believing God for more because we wanted we wanted to have children. We were living in an apartment. We, were, we wanted to we wanted to buy a home, but we just we just weren't you know didn't have enough. So Paula got a part time job somewhere, doing some some stuff. And we were writing one day and we we no, let me go back. So Paul and I made a decision that we were going to tithe. We were already tithing. We were going to tithe on what we felt like that we would need to buy a house and to. Um, and to start having have kids, you really can't ever afford kids. So, really, it was about the house. Um, let's just be truthful. Those of you that when, when we get money, we'll, we'll have kids. Just, just go ahead and have them. But we we decided this is how much we would need, and so we we started we started tithing on on that much money by by faith. Six months later, uh, we're going down the road. And remember, all some things had transpired in all this period. Remember I told you last week that Larry Titus came in as an interim pastor for a two-month period. He told the board, he said, this guy shouldn't be your youth pastor. He should be your associate pastor. The board agreed and promoted me to to being the associate pastor. And they got a a guy that was a helper in the youth. He he stepped up and became the youth pastor. And uh, so that was everything. And I did, I got a raise. And uh, they came with it. It was it was a good raise, and uh, so we were going down the road one day. And I remember where we were. I don't remember the name of the road, but I remember where we were. We was in that blue Trans Am, not Trans Am Grand Am. Big difference between a Trans Am and a Grand Am. (laughs) I had a Grand Am. (laughs) God bless you. But all of a sudden, I said, "Do you realize that we're making we're making." exactly what we were tithing on and then we had been doing that for six months so there's one something again that we prayed about and it just kind of just life kind of went on and stuff and just happened and then we we realized oh wow we're making exactly what we were tithing on god is so faithful he's so faithful god has the the power to change things paint change people he can make a man that's shy and an introvert can make him one of the greatest leaders the world has ever known and that's moses He can also soften the heart of an old reprobate like Pharaoh. He can also harden it. He encouraged a prophet who wanted to quit, just really wanted to die. Just let me lay down and die. He encouraged uh, Elijah. Peter was an example of a person that was transformed by the Spirit of God. On the day of Pentecost, the transformation that happened with Peter when he received that power, that second work of the Spirit, it's amazing. Peter became the, the rock of the church uh listen to what it says jesus jesus knew that that peter was going to deny him in fact he told him he says before the rooster crows tonight he says you'll deny three times that you even knew me peter said now these other yahoos that you got with you they may but not me i I will never do that i'll die for you but sure enough he did and after the crucifixion uh peter was peter was he went to pieces he was the bible says he wept bitterly he quit he wanted to quit he did quit he went back to fishing in fact, that's where the disciples found him walking by the shore. He was out fishing, and they, they got him together. And, um, but again, I've, and I've shared my testimony before uh, in this church that uh, there was a time in my life that I felt like that I was going to hell. I felt like I'd failed God so many times, and I felt like God told me that you're too in and too out, you're too wishy-washy, and you'll ne- you'll things are never going to change. But that was just a lie from the devil, and the way that it was exposed to me wasn't through the Word, but it was through a prophetic word. That's why it's so important, I think, to receive prophetic words from people, but make sure it's the right person. Because there's a lot of kooky stuff out there. But I'm telling you, there's the genuine prophetic word, and it changed and saved my life. And it, just a snippet of that word, he said in the scriptures, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren, and he's accused you and accused you and accused you, and he's got you convinced that you just need to forget it. It's, it's start all over. Things are never going to change for you. He said, but my son, I've never left you and never will I leave you. And he went on for three minutes to say things that God was going to do. And I was blown away. Literally, I walked in that meeting thinking that I was going to go to hell. But it was a lie from the enemy. And I have found person after person after person after person over the last 35 years that the devil has told them the same thing. It's a lie from the pit of hell. He'll tempt you to do things. And when you do it, then he'll condemn you. He's good at what he does. Listen, God is all-knowing. God is all knowing. He's all knowing. He is immutable. It means he cannot change. He cannot change. He cannot change. Listen to these three verses, well-known verses. You have probably heard these before. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says this. <clears throat> says this. God says, I am the Lord, I never change. I am the Lord, I never change. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever i am the same yesterday today and forever again hebrews 13 verse 8 god is not he hasn't changed god hasn't changed he isn't growing old his power isn't waning it says in isaiah 40 verse 28 says don't you know haven't you heard the eternal god the lord the creator of the ends of the earth doesn't grow tired or become weary his understanding is beyond uh is beyond reach there's no room. There's just no room for a God that can raise, save three Hebrew children from a fiery furnace. Didn't save them from going in. He saved them while they were in it. says that they came out not even smelling like smoke. He saved Daniel from uh, being thrown into a den <clears throat> full of hungry lions. He is an amazing, amazing, amazing God. He caused a 90-year-old woman to conceive a son and, uh, and give birth to Isaac. Remember, remember, remember. God is faithful. God is faithful, God is able, and God is willing. He's willing, he's willing, he's willing. He is our Heavenly Father. You just think about your children. Those of you that have kids, you'll do anything for them, won't you, within your abilities. Anything to help them, you'll do it in your ability, and God has great ability. He loves us. He loves us. How many of you can have got cameras, Yet you, you got kids that are grown now, but you know some of you got kids that are little now, but you did what we did when we were older, so much easier now because all phones have cameras and video cameras. But how many of you do this when, when it's Christmas time, your little one and two-year-olds, your little kids, four-year-olds, they come down this, you make them wait, 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 wait. Okay, come in now. And what are you doing? You're videoing on them. Video, video on them. Why? Because you love the joy. You love the excitement that you see when you give them things. And we still, around Christmas time, a lot of times, maybe not every year, but a lot of times we'll pull out those old home videos when our kids were two and three years old and seeing Christmas presents. I used to trick them a lot. Paula didn't like that but I'd trick them, I'd, I'd give them a box of something that they wanted, but when they'd open it, it'd have something crummy in it. But then the good thing, the real thing was, in the it was on the TV, like I, they gave them a, a GameCube, they wanted one of those game systems, and I gave them a GameCube box and put something stupid in it, and then they were, uh, they were kind of depressed, and then they looked at the TV and the game system was on it. I think that's cool. My <laughs> father says no. God is so good. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. good. Let's stand. Oh. Father, would you take this for me? Don't throw it at me. Just take it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. You need some help with that? Okay. Father, he's so good. You're so good. You're so good. He's so good. Listen, we're going to sing a song here in just a moment. We've sang it many times here he'll do it again but before we do i want to give you an opportunity and give you an invitation for those of you that don't know jesus christ as your personal savior you know you think well you're talking to a room full of christians you're talking to people that are in church listen going to church doesn't make you a christian that's not what makes you a christian jesus says i am the way the truth and the life no man comes to me unless he goes to church doesn't say that unless he comes through me and through him is through his way through receiving His shed blood to forgive us of all of our sins. So what we must do is we must repent of our sins. That doesn't mean you've got to get out a list, and, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. You just say, Father, forgive me of all of my sins. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And He says, I will forgive you. In fact, He's already forgiven you, but you have to receive that forgiveness. That's how you begin your relationship with Jesus Christ. But if that's all you've ever done, if that's all that you've ever done, that's just being birthed into, the, into Christ. And churches are full. They're full of baby Christians that have been saved for 20, 30, 40 years. They never grew. They're Christians. When they died, they would go to heaven. But that's not the will of God. God desires for us to go on and take that next step of becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's a, that's a modern-day word for becoming a disciple of the Lord. He wants us to be His disciples. And it's, 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 it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Guy, because we have to die to ourselves and alive to Him. I've got this 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 poster in my office, and it, I love it. It's a it's a statue, and it's and it's a bronze statue. But the bronze from, from about here down is peeled down and it's peeling off. And inside of it is clear crystal. It's like a, a an ice castle thing, and it's kind of the reborn. Of becoming taken off the flesh. And that's what it is. When we get born again, we begin to take on the characteristics of Jesus and we read our Bible and we study and we go to church and we begin to tell our story. That's all about being a disciple, not just born again. He is our Lord and our Savior. And if you've never made that choice and you've just kind of, kind of did the church thing, or maybe, you've, maybe you're here today and you've been, you haven't been to church in a while and you're here today and you're, you're kind of like the prodigal son or daughter and you're coming back to him. Can I tell you, God is here to say, what are you doing? Where have you been? The Bible says the only time that I know in the Bible where it shows that God ran is when that father in the parable of the lost son, he ran to his son. He ran to his son and he hugged him. He welcomed him home. God doesn't judge us like that. He welcomes us to come back to him. Oh, Father, I thank you today. Lord, if there's anyone in this room today, Lord, you know who they are and they perhaps know themselves. We thank you. Father, if there's anyone that's watching us today online that doesn't have you as their personal relationship. Father, we thank you today in the name of Jesus. God, that the eyes of their understanding would be open. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I want to ask our prayer team if you guys would come up and uh, since we're going to sing this song, if a prayer team, when you come up, if some of you would come up on this side over here, and then some of you come up over here and leave the, uh, the front kind of open because it's a little bit louder here. And uh, David, if you would turn the side speakers off so that we can hear the, the prayers, the, the person praying and the person asking for prayer. If you need prayer in any area of your life, it's not just salvation, but certainly if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come up today and we'd love to pray with you about that. But if you need healing in your body, He is the healer. He is the healer. He is the healer. There is a healing anointing because He is here today. The presence of God. There's a difference between the the omnipresence of God and the manifested presence of God. God's everywhere. God's at the 7 Eleven. He's at the Walmart. He's everywhere. But His manifested presence is here to do His will in your life. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, I want to ask our, we got some prayer people over here, some of our prayer team. Thank you. So Father, again, we just thank you. We thank you that you're a great Father. Lord, not only are you able, we know that you're willing today. We bless you in Jesus' name we pray, amen.